Hi, welcome back to the Paralegal Mastery Lounge podcast. Jacqueline Foster here. Today's episode is an amazing interview with Randa Prendergast, also known as the Attorney Whisperer, trademarked Attorney Whisperer. Uh, she owns Miss June Legal, and she's an absolute delight. I met Randa back two years ago, I want to say, when I started my first ever Paralegal Entrepreneur Circle uh, course. She joined that course and I was able to meet her and watch her build her business. And it was just, it's obviously an awesome journey every time I get to do that with somebody. So Randa, one thing I want to mention before we jump in, I watched her develop her business over the last few years, couple of years, and she's very good at <clears throat> genuine connections with people, authenticity, networking, and building her business really strong around those principles, in my opinion. So really listen up today, any paralegal entrepreneur out there or aspiring paralegal entrepreneur, listen up today on Randa's story and, and sort of her strategies and how she's pivoted her business, how she's refined it over the years. And I hope you take something valuable from it. Before we get into today's episode, I want to remind you that we are still in allowing enrollment into our Paralegal Mastery Lounge private membership. In this membership, we focus on elevating paralegal careers and earning potentials. I am huge on pushing paralegals into their six-figure career realities. That That is such a possible thing out there. We talk both on how you can leverage entrepreneurship to find those six figures or developing and enhancing your paralegal career in a holistic way as well as a technical way to be a standout candidate for those six-figure positions that are out there, even those six-figure remote positions that are out there. So would love to have you in the Paralegal Mastery Lounge. You can join through the links in the show notes. And as always, please leave us a rating on our podcast if you enjoy today's episode or if you've enjoyed our podcast as a whole. We always appreciate ratings. And let me know if you have any subjects or topics that you'd like me to cover. Also make sure you're following me both in our private Facebook group or our, you know, it's our free private Facebook group and on LinkedIn where we do bi-weekly webinars on all things paralegal entrepreneur and intrapreneur. So with that being said, let's get into today's podcast episode with the amazing Randa Prendergast. So Randa, thank you again for joining me. Yeah, start, of course. Yeah, to start, can you just give me, give us, you know, you're a rock star, paralegal entrepreneur, attorney whisperer is your trademark. And I just really want to have a, a deep insider conversation about your journey transitioning from a paralegal to starting your own company. And now as you've been scaling your own company. So why don't you just start by giving a little bit of a background, you know, on how you transition from being a paralegal uh, to starting this company. Sure. So I was in the legal field. I've been in the legal field for over 15 years. And um, then I had some babies and it was important for me to be with them, but I really missed um, the legal field. And um, I had actually got my certificate from Capital Law School when I was pregnant and that, well, I joined and then I found out I was pregnant. So um, I was like, well, I don't want this to go to waste. And I really like the legal field. So I started reaching out to attorneys I used to work with previously. Um, it was the first attorney that I worked in his law firm. He was solo law, um, or a solo attorney. Then I started reaching out like to the other attorneys that we would know that was like opposing counsel and stuff. And so I did it, some contract work there. A paralegal that actually taught at Capital Law was like, hey, do you want to start a business? And we started a paralegal business. Um, this was years ago. Even like, It was kind of like unheard of. Um, it was very, very, very uh, new. It was a hard concept for a lot of law firms. I mean, we still have a fight now. Then it was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but we would actually do the paralegal work. Um, we were the contractors, um, and then she moved everything and did, which was fine. And so I was like, well, I want to continue this. And I shifted my business a little bit. Um, I was no longer interested in actually doing the paralegal work, but, um, I knew there were folks who were, 
So um, I kind of started doing contract placement um, and placing subcontractors and law firms on a 1099 basis. I noticed though that um, I was finding these awesome paralegals and, but they weren't super successful because the law firms didn't have any processes in place. So there, um, I'm a type A person. I, we have a ton of processes. So they're born my passion to help law firm owners set up their processes so their team members can be successful too. Sure. So uh, that's kind of what we do now. We place 1099 paralegals, and um, but the bulk of our business is uh, working with law firms to implement case processes. So all those rock star paralegals have tools they need to shine. That's amazing. That's that's so smart. Actually, you and well, you and I were just talking the other day about how you know I have to not as part of my service necessarily in my company, but it's like crucial that I do anything and everything to help the attorneys figure out delegation workflow, like figure this out. Otherwise we just know it's not going to be successful. They're going to opt into saying, I need somebody in firm, like the online space isn't working for me, but it's really cool how you've kind of went from obviously the paralegal to doing the contract work to then bringing in other contractors and now focusing so heavily because you found that consistent problem. You know, there's that consistent problem with every firm you were working with or multitudes of firms you were working with and not having systems in place. So I always say in business, problem plus solution equals business. And it sounds like you're really refining that. So what were the initial steps? I know you were like, it seems like there was a couple of things you've done. You know, you started with a friend of yours offering paralegal mm -hmm. services, but when you kind of pivoted, especially post pandemic, let's say, and pivoted into building your business. What were some of the initial steps that you took to launch your brand within the contract space and the the workflow development, the systems development, and in like how did you go about acquiring these first clients of yours? Sure. So um, we don't pay for marketing. We are just super consistent in social media marketing, um, and I think that's key because mm -hmm. I feel like the more um, people see your name and your content, um, you know, then they recognize you, whether they know you personally or not, they start to recognize you. Right. So that's kind of what I started with. I was like, just being consistent in social media uh, posting. And I I don't know if you guys have read this book or you've read this book, The Go-Giver. Mm -hmm. um, it's like the basis for our, like, we base our business off of it. It's basically the premise that you just give freely and things come back to you. And that even means in business. So like you and I, some people would consider competition, but I never look at it that way. I will like refer people to you um, constantly if they're not a good fit or if they're looking for something different, you know, and I never see anyone as competition. So as far as like, um, if you have that view and you also give freely to your audience, like information that maybe they can do on their own or tips or tricks they can do on their own when they really need help, they'll be like, well, she was so giving before she also knows what she's talking about. Um, so they'll come back and seek your, um, help. So, Absolutely. um, consistency and yeah, social media posting is where it is, um, I also have gone to the ABA tech show and Clio conference, um, which I think some of those are the bigger ones. Um, I would identify who your target market is first because each conference is geared towards a certain type of law firm. So if you're doing personal injury, maybe um, seek out uh, conferences for PI attorneys, but put yourself in those um in those situations to network and meet people. Right. Absolutely. Networking is the biggest thing. And I, it's always the most disgusting analogy I use, but I can't think of a better one. Maybe somebody can help me with that. <laughs> it's like cats breeding, you know, you network with somebody and then they network you to another person, which they network you to their network, which then they network you to their network. And it's like, it's just, it keeps multiplying and duplicating. And I don't know why I can only think of like cats breeding. <laughs> it's such I don't a know. You know, it makes sense though. It totally makes yeah. sense. So, and I totally agree. You know, people, um, 
I early on in my business had that fear too. Like if I publish like webinars or, you know, I do webinars every other week. I have been starting to do that more consistently with my business on the, the paralegal side to, to help them figure out, you know, this is the best way to hire. This is the best way to go about that. And it's like, people are like, why are you giving that information away? Because if you're giving them a DIY option, they're probably going to take that. And I'm like, if you really think about the years and the hours and the time spent and honing in on your skills, you cannot possibly give them everything that you know in a 30 minute session. You cannot. You're giving that person a lot of insight, you know, a lot of here's the first step, here's the next step, here's the next step after that. But eventually they're getting to the point where it's like, okay, like you said, she obviously knows what she's talking about. She's willingly giving out information. I've already gained value just from her free 30 minute session or her free blog that she posted. I'm definitely going to contact her at this point in my journey of making decisions on who we're going to hire. So I totally, totally agree with the, everything you just said there, um, especially the no competition mentality as well. I, I think I like push that in, in almost every one of my first like business establishment courses, like get out of the competition mentality. You are not me and I am not you. And there's one client out there that needs a you. And there's one client out there that needs a me. Um, and we can't duplicate each other. You know what I mean? So that that's really, really great. Um, so as you're now, you have this company, you know, you started, I'm not going to go right back through everything we just said, but you know, you, you've built it up. You got your first clients, you got off out the door. What is your scaling plan look like? You know, what, what are your initiatives, whether monthly, quarterly, yearly, like where are your scaling goals going? So I'll be honest, we're still in transition, figuring that out because, um, we've made a really big shift towards legal consulting. And so we're trying to figure out that's their biggest need. So we're trying to figure out what that really looks like. Um, because paralegal services last longer, but legal consulting, um, is more needed and, um, also where our passion is. Um, so we're looking for our goals. We're looking to add like six law firms a month. Um, and we're getting close to that, which is great. Um, but I don't know if that's the right number yet. So we're still working that out and, you know, business is hard. Like we all know the legal field, but, you know, figuring out those KPIs and those numbers and what we need and what we want is just so very difficult, especially if we, um, like, I'm still also kind of a doer. And my company, like I do a lot of the consulting still. So that on top of like forecasting and doing the planning for the business, um, sometimes I'm not very good at uh, taking the time to do that, but we are working on that for sure. Listen, the word KPI, I have a love-hate relationship with it because it's so absolutely necessary in any business, especially I think like how you and I probably are because we're not, you know, stuffy people. Like I have a hard time even KPIing like people that work in my company, you know, in the back end of my company. Cause I'm like, I'm your mom friend, you know, I'm this, I'm that. And it's like, what? I got to start figuring out how to, you know, track this, track that. And I think in the legal industry specifically, KPIs are so difficult to, to put into place. Cause it really, it's not just numbers, you know, KPIs on efficiencies, KPIs on deadlines met, like you can do those KPIs but as far as, you know, you have to review work and you have to go through templates and to really identify, like, is there key performance indicators here? You know, do we have something to work with? So I totally empathize with that struggle and figuring out how to, to really scale a company like ours, especially because I think, and this is why I started the freelance paralegal uh, or the paralegal entrepreneur circle originally was because too, I realized like there is no true guidance out there as it relates to the legal field. Um, mm -hmm. Because we know that lawyers are different animals and we know that they have different unique problems and it's not just something you can teach anybody to do. Like there's a company I actually came across this morning um, over my cup of coffee, kind of researching different marketing VAs, something like that to help me. And <clears throat> she has this whole program, right? Where she's teaching people from zero to being marketing assistants or virtual assistants, but it's like, that's really practical stuff you're learning 
to take mm -hmm. somebody from square one and build them into your system of like, this is how we're going to do legal consulting. And when you say legal consulting, you mean like your systems, processes, workflows, those types of things. Correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's like to, to train them in, that's a whole thing. And I'm not trying to make this a coaching call by any means, but I would really recommend you record your systems, processes and training and you know, how you would go through a consulting and then have people get certified under you, um, to be able to, to push those people to your clients too. So you're not doing it all. Right. Um, yeah. Yep. That's, we have recordings, like it's just, it's such an investment and, um, into someone which we are willing to make, you know, um, it's just hard to identify, um, how to properly explain what we're doing. And so like we show zoom videos, we show training, we show meetings and until they're actually like meeting with the client, um, it's a, I think it's a different beast. I've had plenty of people that get to that point where I'm like, okay, you're going to meet with the client now and you're going to be the consultant. And they just like seize up and they're like, I, I can't do this, you know? And so, um, I think that's the piece I'm missing. Like, how do I identify those people um, that have been in the legal field that have interest in processes and can talk to attorneys? Because there is a way to talk to attorneys, right? It's not just, it's not passive, but it's kind. And yep. it's not the, I know everything. I, you know, forgive me, but some of those paralegals that like think they know everything and everything should be their way, like, those are not our people either. So there is a very um, small pool of people that we're looking for. Oh yeah. It can be very challenging to find that and find those driven professionals out there. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges any freelancer will face when scaling into something beyond themselves um, mm -hmm. is to truly connect and network and align with people, you know, and the, like they always, the main myth or the main suggestion out there is that once you're in seven figures, that's when it becomes about people. But I learned that it was all about people in this business from day one, like mm -hmm. day one for building, scaling, whatever. So it's like, you know, if somebody would want to go ahead and scale a freelance business into being beyond themselves, like you do need to hone in on your hiring skills, your networking skills, um, yeah. your people skills, your people reading skills um, to find, find the right individuals to yes. do the job. Absolutely. Um, I just lost my train. I thought I was going to go off on that. Oh, and you know, coming to, and that's such a good point you made about like how to talk to attorneys. Cause as you become a freelancer, as you start your own business as a paralegal, I think one of the most challenging things for us in general is to understand that we're no longer like a subordinate level, if that makes sense underneath an attorney, like they're hiring us for a different reason and at a different need, especially when you're an agency owner, um, you're obviously, you know, you have a set of skills. And I just told my team this the other day, like, this is my year. 2023 is my year. It's my new era of not being rude to my clients, but not being afraid to slow them down when they're telling me what should be happening. I'm saying like, you hired me, like you hired me to help you identify the right fit for your company. Please just trust me, explore this avenue with me. And I remember saying that to a client recently and he's like, you know, I needed to hear that. You're so right. I totally did an attorney take charge. I know everything thing. And he's like, you're right. I hired you to find somebody perfect for me. So I'm going to listen to your guidance and listen to your strategies on what we're out to go. Um, so that's the other thing is learning that in business on figuring out how to like really own your authority in what you're doing. Because that instills the confidence in your clients from your clients as well. Um, so there's a go ahead. To take away from that is, um, you know, and if someone doesn't respect that, like not everyone's your client, and that's okay. Right. Like right. if if you have someone, an attorney that you're working with that's just very passive aggressive or not you know, taking your advice or not trusting you, like you don't have to work with them. There's plenty of other people out there that will take your advice, will appreciate it. And, um, so you can move on. Right. That is such, yeah. such valid advice that I sometimes need to learn to take more too, even in my business. Cause 
we become a yes man sometimes when we're we're in that hustle mode mm-hmm. of scaling our companies and saying like to scale we need more and more and more and more clients in the door but really when we step back and say we don't just necessarily need more clients we need the right clients the clients that we can actually serve to full satisfaction so that they word of mouth go rave about us right versus bringing in and this has been this year has been the theme of bringing in the wrong clients too many times they're not happy with us because they never would have been happy with us um asking for you know us to move mountains on penny salaries uh with their hiring and you know, that turns into being a really negative experience. You lose money that way. And so that does go back to, so how did you kind of work through your process and identifying? Cause you know me, I'm like always talking about ideal client, ideal client, like get your North star client. How did you work through identifying who your ideal client is and how do you target your marketing towards that, that ideal client? Sure. So for consulting, it's easier, I think, because if they're seeking out or they're following us on social media or they want to connect, a lot of times they've seen our what we're doing. And that tells me that they're interested and open. Um, but I don't work with anyone that's not open to advice. So I, I've had calls where like, this is what I'm looking for. And I've made suggestions based on the information they told me. And, and if they give in pushback, I'll simply say like, I just don't think we're a good fit, but I'm happy to make a referral. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can pretty much tell someone is open to your suggestions. When you're speaking to someone saying that initial discovery call, having, um, making some suggestions on how you can help will identify if they're open to it or not. Right. Um, So, and as far as I think just like our ideal client, we get enough of really good clients. They refer us to other people that are motivated. So um, I can tell too for like legal support placement, if they're like, oh, I'm looking for someone, but I'm not sure how this is going to work. And I explain how remote, you know, how we set up and how remote work um, works for them or for others. And if they're still unsure, like, we won't really waste our time. Like we'll follow up a couple of times, but they're going to have, they're standing in their own way and they're going to have to come to that realization on their own. It's not my job to do it. No, absolutely. No, absolutely. And that, that, that's so true. Cause I mean, you're just, if you're constantly going to be arguing and I shouldn't say arguing, but like you said, the <laughs> client calls and says like, this is what I want, but it's like, um, yeah, but you were asking like me for my advice and I'm giving it and like listening to you, but this is my advice. So I totally get what you're saying there. So really in a nutshell, your ideal client is somebody open and willing to take guidance, um, mm-hmm. desperately needing systems and processes in place and wants somebody to take charge in that and tell them what to do, not the other way around. Is that pretty accurate? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I would say like forward thinking, like um, from our point of view for legal consulting and probably even for legal placement, like remote work and, um, softwares and legal tech are huge. So, um, identifying where they stand on that. And if they have that willingness to implement or learn or think about that for the future is also going to be really important for us too. Sure. So very innovative, forward thinking, look at that. Yeah. Not stuck in the manila folders and, (laughs) you know, those types of things for the rest of time. Uh, So what, how many people do you have working at the moment in your back end? Like not placements with, you know, contractors with attorneys. And I don't know if you, how you operate that. Maybe, maybe that's a better first question. How are you operating your 1099 work? Do you operate similar to how we do, where it's like, you're the middleman? Yes. Yep. Okay. And then they get like hourly and stuff. Um, So how then... I had a question and I just completely lost it. Okay. So team. Yes. You're yes. You're behind the scenes team. Who do you have supporting you? Sure. So we have two overseas VAs. One does like client facing potential new clients and follow-ups with current clients on action item stuff. Um, They also help a little bit for potential new team members um, when identifying, um, potential new team members and who we're going to interview. And then we have someone who does marketing for us. Um, And then I have um, 
a operations manager, which I, you know, Amanda. Yes. Yeah. So she works with us too. And she's kind of like my operations manager. Uh, yeah. That's so awesome. Isn't, did she trademark then paralegal whisperer? Um, I don't know. I don't know where she is on that, but I think so. I think that's in, that's going. Yeah. That, I thought that was cute. I noticed that the other day on, um, yeah. LinkedIn. And actually when I, when I read her caption, I was like, oh, she must be, you know, just doing the hashtag attorney whisperer for your brand. Cause she works yeah. with you. And then I saw it's a paralegal. I'm like, well, that's really cute. You know, not cute. I don't mean to like undermine it, but that, that yeah. was a cool, cool little synergy thing there. Uh, you get the attorney whisperer and the paralegal whisperer working together. So I thought that was really, really neat. Um, yeah. so can you talk about, and I don't mean to give you a loaded question, but like some milestones or turning points, um, that propelled your company's growth where like, can you think of times that you made a shift or you made an effort? I mean, I know it's so hard because I know like what I would say is no, it's just been consistent consistency over time, but is there any, you know, thing that you did that went made like a major shift in your business going from just maybe having a couple of clients to now getting consistent leads, um, and you know, discovery calls on your calendar. Um, so I think there there's two. Um, one was hiring an overseas VA for um, well both for client facing and potential new clients. Um, that follow up for intake is super important, and um, it's it's really changed our conversion rates. Um, and then um, hiring a person to be help us be consistent in marketing. Um, so yeah, hiring a VA or VAs, I think was a game changer for us. And, um, then also just, um, last, not this past, uh, March, but last year, ABA tech show in 2022, um, I had connected with a lot of people on LinkedIn and actually physically seeing them in person, um, just open the door for way more opportunities to do consistent networking with them. Um, and it's, some of them are law firm owners. Some of them are just legal adjacent. So either part of like a software company or they offer other services to attorneys that are not, um, necessarily what we do. And so, um, meeting them in person and then just, um, you know, honing in on that relationship and consistently, um, and also like, it's kind of like, I'll scratch your back. You scratch mine. Like, per, like I like our referrals to have a personal relationship with them. So I really know them. And then I like it's like that go giving, I like to promote them too. And in return, people do the same for you. And so I think, um, that visibility has been very helpful. Yeah. There's so much power in networking in person. I mean, I, I'm so torn on, you know, the amount of money, a paralegal would say invest in going to those conferences or okay. Like for instance, I did a booth down in the Wisconsin at the Wisconsin bar association conference. Like I actually, and this is just a tip to anybody. So nobody else makes this mistake, I guess. Um, those booths at like those types of conferences that are just for CLEs, they are going to skim through every booth there to get a check mark, to put their name in the drawing for a prize or whatever. I did not get a ton of interactions with um, attorneys at that one. It was the wrong target market for me. I really should have, if I was going to do something like that, I should have waited for the Wisconsin solo um, conference the following Mm -hmm. October. Um, This was kind of, you know, I didn't even know this at the time. It was like a younger, or excuse me, an appealed to your older attorneys, you know, the older attorneys that were just coming to check off some CLEs and, and there really wasn't that drive anymore there at that conference for growth. I mean, they're beyond that stage in their career where they're like, I don't want to grow my firm. I just want to get through this and retire type of mentality. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, met a ton of fun people, mainly at the bar, you know, I drank with attorneys. It was really, really fun, probably not super professional, but it was wonderful. And like, I spent money though, like $2,500 to have that booth there. And I'm like the whole time I could have just been mingling and something like that. Like I would rather see, like you said, go to the Clio conference, actually attend the events, learn things while you're there. And like you said, that you get a bigger range of people at those types of conferences. You know, I can imagine you saw, you know, like, um, 
Steve Fret Fretzen, right? Or yeah. I, you know, all these podcasts I've been on with all these guys, and I'm like, I really should try to go meet them in person too. Yeah. Because um, there, there is so much power in that, and actually having like that friend friendly connection that way. Um. So yeah, so it sounds like those were those were really successful for you. And I want to back up a little bit on the VA for conversion rates because you mentioned that that when you brought in those that VA, it helped your conversion rates. What are you talking about in that sense? Like, let's get a little, like, could you be a little bit more, expand on that a little bit more? Sure. So um, from the point or um, position of processes, right? Like someone shows that they're interested in your services, you have to have some type of follow-up or intake to follow up with them, right? So um, when you're physically doing the work, it's really hard to keep track all those leads of people saying that they're interested because they can come from all different places. They can come from an intro from someone else. They can come from a Facebook post. They can come from a LinkedIn post. It can a message, you know, right. so tracking where they come from and then following up with them to get them on your calendar so you can talk to them. And then you know, making sure something happens after that. Are they interested? Are they not interested? Do they need more time? Do they want a contract? When do they want to get started? And, you know, um, keeping track of all that information is really important. And it's kind of like time is, you know, on has to be on your side right there. Like you have to respond almost right away. Oh, yeah. Um, if you don't, if you don't respond right away when they're interested, if you don't respond right away, sending them a contract, people have more time to go get opinions and think about it more. And, um, maybe they had a really good week and they realize they don't really need your services right now, or, you know, there's all kinds of things that can happen that can change their mind too. So, um, having that designated person, um, you know, we have a workflow for intake um, has been really helpful. Mm -hmm. People, um, she's able to get our contract out right away. People sign it and then we onboard them. So um, before when it was just me, it'd be like, oh, okay, well, I have to do this. And it'd be like a day or two or, you know, like stuff like that happens or like four days or five days. And after that, people can, you know, go quiet or ghost you. So yeah. No, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Or you're, you're so right. It's amazing. You know, they sleep on it. Or like you said, that one week they're like, oh, well, it wasn't that busy of a week. I'm fine right now. Or yeah. I really looked at my finances and maybe I shouldn't hire somebody yet. Um, or what, what have you. So that makes so much sense. So really you hired that VA to help keep you on track. Um, cause obviously we can't do everything perfect all the time and have the we don't have the time sometimes to, to, to keep on that. I'm like super guilty of it because that's one of the hardest things for me to give up is anything, um, sales related because mm -hmm. I just don't want to be down someone's throat. But so that's really awesome though, that you found, you know, a good system with a VA. Is she kind of like on, is she working with you? Not like consistently all day, every day, you know, so that she can act quickly when you get a new lead come in or, or what have you. Yeah. So she logs in, um, every day. So if we do have new people, she's sending them something within 24 hours or less, um, which I think is a pretty good timeline. So, um, she's not full time, but yet we're, we're getting there. We're almost there. So, um, but it is really nice. She has flexibility to work with, you know, other people, um, she wants, and then, um, she's just very attentive. Um, it is kind of nice. She's, um, both of my VAs are in the Philippines. Okay. So the time difference is 12 to 13 hours, depending on daylight savings time. Um, so if I have something, it works out nice. If I have something later in the day, she's like first thing when she gets up in the morning and logs on, um, she's sending out things. So, um, keeping that in mind too, if you hire a VA where they're located. Oh <laughs> yeah. Is. yeah <laughs> oh it's nice that they're like ahead of you in a way you know what I mean like they're they're a day ahead or <laughs> or whatnot for time zones I know my my uh New York attorneys always enjoy my working with somebody over on the west coast because it's like or the opposite other way around oh. my west coast likes to work with my east coast because it's like by the time they're up at eight that person's gotten like three hours of work in or you know what I mean they're like it's amazing yeah uh, 
So, you know, that's, that's really great. So, so, and you know, and that's nice too about hiring offshore. I'm not at all against hiring offshore, you know, obviously. And I think your company runs the same way. Like our paralegals are us-based. Um, yes. however, for internal teams, I don't, you know, there's a lot of motivation over there and it can be, it's a lot cheaper. Um, cause I know some VAs, you know, my first VA I worked with, she was amazing. You know, she was that VA that kind of, I just needed, especially with help around like setting up the entrepreneur circle. When I first launched that, that course, um, all of those things, she helped because she knew how to do all those little systems and softwares and things that I didn't know how to do. And she just, yeah, but it's like, I was paying her $45 an hour. And then it's like, that's a lot of money. <laughs> um, you know, not saying she wasn't worth it. Um, definitely was for what she could do for me, but, um, it can be very expensive. So that's a, that's a good thing to remember for everybody. Cause, um, you know, I think, you know, Jordan Ostroff, mm -hmm. he is so brilliant. I follow, you know, he's on my Facebook and he shared a video the other day of him speaking. And he said, if you're trying to figure out what you need to delegate, start with the thing you do the most, right? Mm -hmm. Start with the thing you do the most. I mean, there's got to be within reason of that because obviously you're not what you should be doing the most, but what you do the most, right? Yeah. And he said, because when you do that, then you're super freed up to start working on other things in the business and start improving more efficiencies and more delegation opportunity. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was, that was really eyeball opening. And I actually spent like, my kids were gone for two days. So I spent, like, I worked all three in the morning for two days straight to start working on that. Like I need to offload the things I do the most on the admin side. Right. Yeah. Obviously, like you right now are dealing with that same thing. Your clients, they contact you. They want to work with you because that's who they know, like, and trust. Um, they've seen your face. They've seen your advice, you know, so trying to free yourself up on all that admin work so you can remain the face of the business um, until your company scales beyond yourself. So what is your long-term goals um, with this company? Where do you see this business in 10 years? That's funny you asked that. Um, I just you know, it started because I just missed working and I have such a passion for solo law firm owners just because it's been my bread and butter throughout my entire legal career. And it really makes me excited to see them succeed. Mm -hmm. And that was the sole reason for starting it. Right. And so when you think about 10 years, um, my goals are just to it's hard. It's not necessarily a number or financial uh, number. It's um, financial freedom for my family. I think everyone wants that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then the flexibility to be with my family, but also I wanna be a good boss. And I want people who work with us, whether that's 20 people or whether that's like 10 people, to say, oh my gosh, this company is amazing to work for. And I want them to have the same vision and drive that uh, we have. And I think that we have some really good people who, um, on our team, um, and we're building that, um, I'm, I'll be honest, I'll probably set my business up in a way to, if I wanted to sell it in 10 years, I would consider doing it not mm -hmm. only for, not because I don't want to continue, but it's kind of like, I'm going to give my family the option. I'm going to give my kids the option of working in the business. But if that's something that they don't have any, any interest in, I want to put myself in a position to where I can say, well, I've done all of this. Here's this pretty package of a business that's amazing and um, have someone step in and take over. Right. That's, that's a beautiful plan and goal, whether or not you execute it. I worked with a consultant last year and into this year. And that was the first thing we decided is that I have to create an exit strategy. Yes. And that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to exit the business, but you know, your business is in optimal health and efficiency if you can exit it and sell it and it would still remain efficient. So, you know, that comes with a lot of the infrastructure. You're obviously your book of business. But what I learned on that was it's more so around the processes and the way we do things that continue to get more clients come back to us over and over and over again. Um, and to be able to do that on autopilot where I can take a vacation out to Dubai with zero service and my team is still running this business. Because then if you don't have to be involved in it, you can do whatever you want with it. You can sell it, you can keep it, 
you don't have to work in it, right? You can have, you know, that type of stuff. So that that's a great goal, I think, personally, to have, um, you know, in the financial securities, I do, or the financial freedoms, I do recommend, because actually a client of mine who also does business consulting for law firms, um, he's like, what's, you have to pick a number though. And I, I was know. Like, why? He's like, no, because you have to connect with that number, like get really real. So I laughed so hard when my consultant asked me then later, he's like, what's your goal for 2022? Like, what was your financial goal? And I wrote like, I want to do $469,323.76. And he's like, that is incredibly specific. And I'm like, well, you asked. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, we ended up bre breaking it and going into the 500. But like, I was like, I had to get specific because I listed out exactly, you know, my one year, my three year, my five year, and then my 10 year. And then I call it a BHAG, which is a, it's um from the Metronomics book, a big, hairy, audacious goal. Like something that if you told anybody would probably like, wow, dream big, Jacqueline, you know? So setting those goals and then breaking them down into quarterlies and things like that. It just, even though if it's not like a totally financial goal at the end of the day, I mean, I get it. I feel the same way, Randa. At the end of the day, it's not about having mansions and jets and that stuff. For me, it's no debt, freedom to no. do whatever I want, whenever I want. Um, yeah. Be there for my kids, not worry about finances. That is all totally the ultimate dream. So um, to pivot on the last, I have a couple more questions for you. But what advice, you know, do you have for aspiring, you know, par paralegals that aspire to start their own companies, or maybe they already started and, you know, they're trying to get their feet off the ground and get their first few clients, like what key lessons, insights, experiences can you share with them to, to help guide them in the right direction? Sure. So I don't want anyone to have um, doubts in their abilities in what they know in their experience and stuff like that. I do recommend though that you have experience. Um, there are a lot of paralegals or people that are coming out of school that don't have any experience and to work in the virtual um, as a contractor specifically or to start a business. Um, you will be very seen very quickly if you do not have that experience. So claiming that you do is not the best way to go. Um, and I only say that because I've seen a couple of people do that and it's very heartbreaking. Um, I also know a couple of people that are like, I'm just starting out. Will you help me? Or do you have a spot for me where I can learn? And that's the better route to go. Um, I don't want like, and if you have experience, like make sure that you show that, um, attorneys tend to, it's kind of like, um, it doesn't hurt to ask, right? So attorneys come from that spot. It doesn't hurt to ask. So if they're working with you and you say my hourly rate is $75 an hour and they're like, well, will you take 45? They're going to do that. They're also business owners. So just stand in your truth and what you think you're worth too. Right. Um, because then they'll just be taking advantage of you. And then you think that you don't have the experience to get paid what you're worth. Absolutely. So, um, no, that's good advice. It happens so often. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest, I'm kind of guilty as a business owner. Like if you know what you would like to pay someone, and it's slightly different what they need. It doesn't hurt to ask. And if they say no, then there's negotiation, right? But um, you have to understand that law firm owners are business owners. You're a business owner. So you need to stand in your truth and what you need. Um, but there's also room for negotiation for you you when you're hiring. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I can remember my first few discovery calls with clients and they, you know, would make a comment about the hourly rate. And this was when it was like 10 or $20 cheaper than what my hourly rate is now. And I'm like, oh my gosh, looking back. And I remember like being so desperate to get more clients that sometimes be like, well, we can work through it. You know, 
Right. And, and I totally think that that's okay to negotiate based on the nature of work if you're offering your services directly. Like, but as a business owner, I know where my margins need to make yeah. need to be to maintain a healthy business. And you know, that's what some some I actually dealt with a lot of um negativity around that for a while. I had some clients like try to poach some evil clients, to be honest with you, try to poach my people away from me by saying like, I just make money off of them and things of that nature. But as a business owner, I know where my margins need to be at in the 40-ish percent. Um, I have room on some clients to go down. I have room on some clients, you know, some clients I can go up because of the nature of work, um, you know, for what I can contract out and the, the talent pool I have for it. But when when you have that business and you have people you are in charge of paying, there mm -hmm. is, there has to, there cannot be wiggle room. The only thing I will wiggle on with my clients is my monthly package minimums. You know, if they reach out and say, Hey, I'm going on vacation. I just don't have time to delegate enough work. Can we just take a pause um, on the minimums? Sure. You've been a great client. You pay on time. I am happier than, you know, pie to, to give you a break here, but not on that hourly rate because I do know you're, you're right. It, you know, you're, you gotta, you gotta keep, keep that standard going. Um, what book are you currently reading? I'm gonna start asking everybody that. Cause I got that go giver one. I'm going to read now, but. Oh yeah. It's super fast. He has like four of them, by the way. Oh um, really? Yeah. Actually I'm reading more of a, a book to help motivate my family. Okay. Housework. <laughs> it's called drop the ball. Um, <laughs> So it's, I don't know, it could be business related a little bit. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, it's called drop the ball. It's essentially like um, learning to let go of control. Yeah. So, and allowing people around you to step up uh, to the occasion to get things done and it, working through some of those pain points. So an example she gives is like, she asked her husband, Hey, I take care of everything. You know, moms do mental load. It's crazy. Even more when we work, it's crazy even more when we have a business. Mm -hmm. And so she asked her husband to take care of the mail and it's sat on the counter for three months in this huge pile of mail. And she said it was so painful just to watch it fall over or to pile up. But eventually her husband was like, oh, you didn't do the mail? And she was like, no, that's your responsibility. And ever since that point, he was responsible for the mail. So it's just like finding those things and um, people can help you with and allowing them to do it their way as long as it's the end goal of completing that task. So oh, I love that because you can, that just gave me like chills because it's so funny that it, I was giggling a little bit when you said that because I'm like, I'm having some come to Jesus moments. I like to call it with my family and my children and my husband these days yep. where I'm like, I am not a maid. I cannot do everything on my own, you know, and you, you get, and it's like, you know, everybody hears when mom gets like here, like up high, but nobody hears the gentle little warning signs. Like I need help. Put your dishes away, pick up your toys, do this, you know, over and over and over again. Um, yes. But I think that's really cool because I, that's a really unique correlation with business too, is trusting, allowing the people that you hire and giving them that responsibility and trusting that they're going to get it done, whether it's their own way, their own system, you just have to be, you know, you, I, I can see the correlation, how you could make that with business. Um, and then also I started with my kids. I'm in this, you know, the KPI era. So my kids have KPIs. Um, they get a journal or like a little daily planner and they get a green mark for the things that they do. And it's nothing like abusive. It's like, okay, go and pick up your own stuff. Right. And if you don't, you get a red X. And if we get three red X's, you don't get your tablet for a week or something like that. And oh, my, I love that. Oh, I it love so good. But my four-year-old, and you could tell my nine-year-old was kind of wondering it too, because I've always been a reward-based system. So they asked me and they're like, well, what do we get if we get a whole week of all, gr all green? I'm like, you get to keep your tablet. That's, that's the reward, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. My little four-year-old like looks at me blank stare like, uh, we don't get like toys or anything like, okay. no. 
because 90% of the stuff on this list is just stuff you need to be doing. It's not chores. It's just picking up your own stuff. <laughs> yeah, my kids are slightly older. So my response is you get to live here. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be my next response. I love that. I love that. And then like with my husband, I'm just, I maybe I'm just in a harsh era, but like I told my husband too, the way he puts away his clothes. I have, we cut our walk-in closet in half when I built my house, when we built our house, cause I wanted a big bathtub in my bathroom. So I'm like, we have to downsize clothes and whatnot. And I have it so perfectly organized so that everything fits. Nobody's digging for stuff. Neither of us are digging for stuff. And like when he goes and puts his clothes away, he just like throws crap anywhere. And I'm like, that's totally fine. You can do that, but I'm going to eventually feel overcrowded and I'm going to start throwing stuff away. And he's like, okay, I'll get it. I'm like, why do I have to be this way? Yeah, I know it's, it's well, and that's the same. And it's that book kind of goes over that. Like, um, I had a girlfriend and also colleague, she was like, put their stuff in their bed like my kids. And so like my youngest keeps, oh man, him and his trash. It's like, it's crazy. So I started putting his trash in his bed. (laughs) And so he would go to bed and there'd be like water bottles and wrappers and everything. And so he's done a lot better, but yeah, it's, um, you know, just making people responsible for themselves, you know, in my house. And then also contributing in the way that, um, as long as it's the end goal that everyone, uh, they can do it however way they want. So it's really easy though, not to reorganize, um, the dishwasher. (laughs) I've been teaching my four-year-old to put dishes in the dishwasher. I'm like, why do I even bother? But it's good for him to, I'm like, I'm going to reorganize it, especially when my husband loves it. It's like, you put this heavy thing on the top rack. Why? Like, why? Yeah. You know? I know. Oh, I get that. That's funny. And to go on the, the, I saw a TikTok once of a mom that was so sick of her kids not cleaning their bedrooms and getting to like a disgusting place of like food in there and whatnot. So she took like chia seeds or flax seeds or something like that and sprinkled them like around the, the, to make it look like mouse poop. And they believe her, like they believe that that way. And then they're like, oh my God, this is disgusting. I have mice in my room. She's like, yeah, because you're not cleaning it. There's food in here, you know? I'm like, that's so evil in the best way. I love it. I love it. I know. But yeah, if you get a chance, you should redraw the ball. I'm only like halfway through and I started implementing some things. And I think that it's been helpful. Awesome. I will. Well, Randa, thank you so much for joining me. I it was just great to see you honestly again and and chat and but thank you for all the great insight you've given us and I'm sure very much inspiring to a lot of people listening wanting to start or um already starting and wanting to grow so thank you so much oh yeah thank you for having me I hope I had some helpful tips in there and if anyone has any other questions they want to follow up with they can reach out to me awesome I will put your contact info accessible um on this episode so thank you so much Randa Thank you.